We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon. Well, hey, everybody. It is really, really good to have you here with us this weekend. We're starting a new family series, so I thought I'd just start with a question. How many here and all of our campuses are actually a part of a family? Can I see your hands? Oh, that's amazing. Hey, while we're talking about your family, um, how many would say that your family or someone in it is special? And we got special in your family. Yeah, okay, we got, we got a lot of special that's here. You know, but as we look around, we look at this picture, family can look so different, right? There's so many different makeups of family. It's one of the things that we really tried to focus on and keep, you know, and keep in our minds. So one of these might be you today, and there's so many different variations of it. You might be here, you're married, but you've got no children. Or you could be married, and you have children, you know, by birth, by adoption, by fostering that's going on. It's possible that you're remarried with a blended family, and that has all sorts of different combinations and elements that goes with it, right? You could be cohabiting parents, you're parenting together. You could be a single parent that's here today. That's family. You could be a grandparent. By that we mean this. You may have gone through that cycle and thought, I'm done parenting, and all of a sudden, here you are again. You have custody of a grandchild, and you're raising them. Here we go, family all over again. You may be here and you're single, but you certainly have family. And whether that's parents or brothers and sisters or aunts or uncles and extended family that way, I mean, all of these family, all different variations that can go from there. Now, here's what I know. No matter what number you would fit on up here, God has something And something very special and personal for you, for every one of your friends that you would bring out in this particular series. The reason I say that, and I say it with such conviction, it's because of this. It's because God is for our families. God is family-focused. Would you say that once with me, everybody? God is is family-focused. One more time, a little bit more conviction. God is family-focused. Think about that. Now, it's true. The devil is also family-focused. That's the bad news. And the devil is doing so many different things today to erode, to destroy families. We need to be family-focused as well. As we come into our series family, this is adventure, we're actually very intentional with regards to the naming of that, this adventure part of it. Because when we're looking at it, Webster, as in Webster's Dictionary, says this about adventure. And I want you to think about it in the context of family. But adventure is, it's an undertaking usually involving unknown risk and possible danger. That's family. It's exciting. It's a memorable, for sure, experience and it's an enterprise involving financial risk or cost. How many are thinking, that's my family, right? Like, 
I can agree with all of those things. And that certainly would be true for us. Family is an ongoing adventure. And here's the good thing, even as I say that. I love adventure. I mean, I, really, I love, love, love adventure. The newness of it, the freshness and all that goes on with it. And I've learned this with adventure, that a guide can be just a great asset for setting adventure up for success. There's an example of that. Denise and I were up in Alaska for one of our anniversaries, and I saw advertised a Jeep adventure. Anybody ever been out west and gone on a pink Jeep tour? Anybody ever done pink Jeep tours? Okay. Like, they're okay. I mean, it's cool. That's not what this was at all. Because in this adventure, everyone got their own Jeep. So Denise and I, we are together. So you get to drive your Jeep in this adventure. And what they're going to do is a guide is going to take us. We're up in the Denali area. So we're taken out into the Denali wilderness. As we're pulling out and our guide leads us into the area we're going, this is a sign that greeted us. And you could tell this just was like, this is the best. <laughs> right? I mean, like, this is going to be an adventure. And what opened up for us was this Denali wilderness. There was, it was spectacular. Breathtaking at times. It was so much fun. But the guide got us to the place and he kind of gave us the lay of the land. And he said, I went, you can go, you can explore and, now this is pre-Google, pre-personal you know, GPS, everyone had their own CB in your Jeep just in case you needed help from the guide. And as we were out and about that day, we were talking about last night, and we still think it was just one of the highlights of our trip, so much fun that had gone on with us together. In fact, the end of our excursion was kind of just all summed up with this. We were dust covered, but the message was true. Our guide set us up for a tremendous adventure. As we go into our family adventure, we have a guide that is offering his services to us. And that is actually Jesus Christ himself. So I want to invite you to open up the guide's instruction to us when it comes to family. If you have a Bible with you, grab it right now, and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you can't pull this up on your phone, I want to encourage you to grab one of the pew Bibles and turn with me to page 1669. Really want to encourage everybody to open this up, look at it together. So we come to Jesus' instructions here. When we read through them, one of the things that is going to strike you is this just seems pretty simple. And I want to remind us going in with regards as our guide did for us, simple doesn't necessarily mean easy, right? You can have a simple plan, like I'm going to pay off my student loans. Simple, right? But does that mean it's easy? No. So we won't confuse those. What Jesus is going to help us with is very, very clear and is very, very important and powerful. In fact, one of the reasons I ask you to turn here, and I want to say this, if you don't own a Bible of your own, we want to offer you the one that you've got in your hands right now. 
Because I want to encourage you to put a bookmark in this passage right now. In fact, I want to encourage you to go back and to read this passage, add it to your verse of the day, either today or sometime this week. Read it out loud, read it through one or two times. Because what we are going to be looking at together are words of Jesus. It's a, it's a passage of scripture that has transformed individuals. This passage we're going to read has transformed families, transformed them for centuries and continues to do so. It is a passage that has actually transformed the world and is still that energy laden. There's a couple words we're going to write on as we go through here. So if you've got a Bible open, let's get started. Verse 21 is actually the hinge to this whole chapter. It takes what's been going on and it leads us into what's next. We've been listening to Paul as he's talked about how can a person know if they're filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, what is the evidence of that, that you're walking in the Spirit? And verse 21 is that evidence. And verse 21 is what is going to set us up for family that comes next. So I thought, let's read verse 21 together, right? And then I'll read a little bit further in this. With me, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And now we're going to get Jesus' instructions here. Follow with me. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are the members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, I pray that your words will be able to do what it is that you desire in each and every one of us. May every family be better through what you tell us and how we respond to it today. That's our ask. We do it in your mighty name and everybody in agreement said. In the passage we just read, what Jesus has done is he's kind of put before each individual grouping one thing. The one thing that I want you to focus on, remember, it's not like that's everything there is to know about this, but there's one thing that's going to make all the difference in the world. It's like if you ever go parachuting, you're going to go to parachuting school and they're going to tell you all kinds of things, but when you jump out of that airplane the first time by yourself, there's one thing you need to remember. You know what that one thing is? It's pull the ripcord. If you remember that one thing, 
then you're going to be okay. Your experience is going to be good, even if you forget some of the other things along the way. So let's go through and look at the one thing that would pertain to us if this happens to be what we, in the group that we would be identified with. And you may be in a couple of these groups today. All right, so let's start with the wives. Wives, your one thing is to say it. Such enthusiasm. All right, if you are a wife here on any of our campuses, if you're watching at home, your one thing is, say it again, you need to. It's that, it's that S word, isn't it? If you feel a visceral response at this, in your gut, Jesus knows. And he knows that what he is about to say is radical. And you need to lean in to all of that emotion that you're beginning, just that you find stirring in you. Now, what does he mean when he says this? This is really important, so let's just you know, get this on the, on the board right away. To submit, it means to willingly defer. I willingly choose to defer to you or to choose to put someone before me. Submit doesn't mean I obey. It doesn't mean I have to do what somebody else tells me to do. But I'm deferring to somebody. And very specifically, it's each woman, let's put this up, Alex. Wives submit to your own husband. So it's not, you know, women submit to men. It's just like, in this unique case, here's something that is going to make all the difference in the world. Now, as I said, this was radical at the time. And was radical for this reason. Because what choice was there? When these words were written, I want, really want this to sink in. In fact, right next to these words here, verse 22, in the margin, if you're a wife here, I hope you'll write the word radical. Just like write that word right out there. If you were a wife at the time of the writing of these words, you were a possession. A husband owned you like he owned a house, like he owned a slave, like he owned cattle. That's what a wife was. When that term comes up that you are given in marriage, it was literally you are given in marriage. When a woman would become a young teenager just hitting puberty there, she was given by her father to someone in a marriage. It was arranged. You had no say in it whatsoever. The husband he owned and he controlled everything. A husband could, at a whim, send his wife away. Like, I'm done with you. In fact, divorce was so easy, even in Jewish homes, it just took saying the word three times in front of others. Get this. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and you were gone. You had the clothes on your back. You had the dowry in your hand that you came into that relationship with. You had nothing. You had no recourse. You were just gone. In that situation, now get this, what is radical about what Jesus is saying, one thing, just get one thing. If you get one thing, stay focused on this. In a time 
when a woman didn't have a choice. Jesus says, this is what you should do. This is what I want you to do. My question, is there a difference between having to do something because you're being forced to do it and doing something because you choose to do it? Is there a difference? Like all the difference in the world? And when this choice was being made, I am going to choose to defer. I'm going to choose to put you before myself. You know what it did? It changed her. And it changed that family. The impact was unmistakable. It was a radical difference. And it is still a radical difference when it takes place today. When Jesus says this, it's not with a blind eye. It's not with a, any type of chauvinism that's, that's going into it or taking a place. And the Apostle Peter, he, when he's talking about this, 1 Peter 3, verse number 4 says this, any wife who does this becomes drop dead gorgeous in her husband's eyes. It's radical, I know. Let's go to the next one. Husbands. You know what Jesus says to the husbands? First thing he says to them is, stop looking at verse 22. <laughs> said, it's not for you. You're not a wife. It's the one verse of scripture you don't have to memorize. Stop. <laughs> Instead, if you're a husband, he says this. He says what? Love, yeah, okay, yeah, love. I need love. Just a quick question. Very, very interested, and let's see how this plays on our campuses too. Which do you think is more difficult? Do you think it's more difficult to love, like Jesus tells us you gotta love, or it is to submit, like Jesus asks to submit? Which do you think is harder? Let me just see. How many here think it's harder to submit than it is to love? Okay, how many think it's harder to love than it is to submit? How many are going like, golly, I'm just like, that's a hard question, isn't it? Like, that's, that's the vibe I'm getting, all right? If you're a husband here, and you are not getting a visceral response to this, remember what I said to the wife, they get this visceral, and you can feel in your guts with this. If you're not getting a visceral response to what Jesus is saying here, it's because you just don't get it yet. And he's gonna help you to get it. He says, when I say love, I mean this. You need to love like I love you, like I love the church and gave myself up for it. And for some husbands, you're like, okay, I think I, think I get that. It must be a sacrificial kind of thing, but it's still theoretical for them. So Jesus comes around again because men take a little bit more work than women do. Way more written to men here, right? In the same way, husbands, you need to love your wife like you love your own body. Now, here's where we begin to get it. And if you're not getting it yet, let me see if I can, if I can help you here. Ever been at work on a project, hammers involved with a project, and as you're working along on your project, you... <laughs> this. I'm going to know what I'm saying. The response is almost universal. 
When you strike yourself, what do you do? What's the second thing you do? <laughs> Guilty as charged, right? Uh, don't you cradle? Don't you immediately protect what has just been injured and if nobody's around looking? Right? I mean, like, like. If you've been, you know, sometime or another, you've been working with a knife, and in, as you're working with your knife, you accidentally, and whether it's just you slip, or even worse, and I've had friends that have done this, they've, they've actually put it all the way through. And once you've done this, I want to ask you, how many of you did this? Cool. Like, you can, I can see light through there right now. No way, is there? You are immediately holding, wrapping. If you need stitches, you are there. I mean, you are doing whatever it takes to protect, to love what needs and what's in need at that point. See, what Jesus is saying to a husband is, anytime you see your wife, and whether it's an overt thing or it's a more subtle thing, if she is in pain, if there is a need that's her, you go to her. You wrap yourself around her just as you would yourself if you were being, if you were in need, if you were hurting in any way. Now for men, we still are trying to figure out what it is that we don't know. Because a man, I mean, for most of us men, we, we admit that we don't know what we don't know. And when it comes to women, there's a lot that we just don't know. So how do, you, how do you figure this out? One of the ways that helped me to realize a little bit more about this was I was training for the Madison Marathon a few years back. And as I was training, I was getting pain that was just running through both of my shins. And it got worse and worse and worse to the point that I couldn't run anymore. I thought I had bad shin splints. I really had wanted to do that marathon, but it's like, I can't even run. So I went to a trainer, and I explained my situation to him, and he looked at me and said, oh, that's a soleus problem you've got. I said, a soleus problem? I didn't know it was spiritual. I mean, I'm a pastor, like, can it be fixed, right? He said, no, it, soleus is a muscle. And he explained to me this muscle in my leg that I didn't even know I had. And he told me what I needed to do to stretch it, to make sure that it was taken care of. And so I rehabilitated my solace, and I stretched it, and I took care of it, and was able to go on. I needed to know what I didn't know, or didn't even know I had, cared for myself. And the result came out very good. 40 years of marriage, can't tell you how many times I've had to go to Denise and say, What's the soleus of this matter, <laughs> right? I mean, tell me what, I know there's something wrong. Tell me what is wrong. Tell me how I need to love at this point. And she would explain, you know, open up. I'm like, I didn't even know that. But it's what we need to do. Now, this is radical what I'm talking about for, for husbands here. I mean, when a husband heard what Jesus said in that day, it was like mind-blowing. Why? It was radical because 
I don't need to do that. In fact, there was no culture at any point in history that said a husband needs to love his wife. What was being written is brand new to the world. And it has done more to change the world than anything else. So to the person that was in complete control, when he did the radical thing and he loved his wife like he loved his own body, it changed the family. And when you see a family, you're just like, there is something about them. Like they're, This is working and I want what they got. That's what was happening as well. So I'd encourage all the husbands that are here, write radical beside verse 25 and verse 28 in your Bibles. One thing. Let's go to the next one. Let's talk about children. Because we read these words here. Once again, we're going to see the word radical in here. Children, obey your parents. Then these words, honor your father and your mother. Now, when you read this, when you hear it, what do you think? In other words, children, what are, you, what are you thinking? How many are thinking grade school or below? Come on, work with me. How many are thinking teenagers, for sure? Yeah, everyone with one just raised their hand, right? How many are thinking anybody that has parents that are alive? That's actually where it's going. You see, if you're in here today and you're old enough to understand what I'm talking about, then you need to say this word with me. Ready? Honor. If you are living under your parents' roof and you're in this room in one of our campuses, say with me, honor. If your parent is still alive, then say with me, We need to honor them. It means to treat with value. But it's still a little bit obscure, isn't it? So what does that mean? How do you honor your parents? Let's go back to the hinge because I think this is so helpful. It'll help us in any, any role in any family area. Remember the hinge? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? Here's the operative question. If you're not taking notes, write this question down somewhere. It will it will make such a difference in your family. Guarantee it, whatever your family situation is. In fact, say it with me. Ready? What can I do to... If you're here as a teenager today, I dare you to go home and say this. When you walk up to your parents and say, what can I do to help you? Once they've regained consciousness, (laughs) and once they've asked the inevitable question, what have you done with my child? They are going to look at you with such deep appreciation. This is not a one-time question, but just as you, every week, if you go up to your parents, what can I do to help you? Your parents are still alive. When was the last time you went to your parents and said, what can I do to help you? It's not always easy, right? Remember I said simple doesn't equal easy. Um, When my dad was still alive, my brother and I is... We didn't have to ask the question outwardly because we knew what he needed in his life. And as we leaned into that, you know what we saw? We saw transformation. We saw transformation in us. 
my sister as well, we saw transformation in our family. Just as an aside, you may be the only Christian in your family right now. And it starts with one. It did in our family. It started with one. But you use something like this and you show honor in your family, one will become two, will become three, and that's what we saw in our family, whereas our entire family had trusted and received Jesus. And really came back to that because we were willing to honor. Number four. Jesus gave one thing for wives, one thing for husbands, one thing for children, and then one thing for parents. The words here, actually have these words memorized, unfortunately. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. How is it that you think that I have these words memorized? <laughs> Conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? Like that, yeah, just these words kept coming back to me over and over again. What the passage is talking about here and it's focusing on, and as you reread it, you'll see this. How do you pass on that which your children need? Need in their lives. It's not discluding discipline. Kids need discipline. But in discipline, even how am I building them up and how am I passing on true faith to them? A true love for Jesus. Because it's a generational admonition that's going on here. Justin, Jennifer, they're working on this. Look at their story. I'm Justin Roach, and this is my wife, Jennifer Roach. And we are sitting in a place that's extremely significant to us. It's our office. This is our opportunity to be God's light to yeah. our community. This is where like our little young family started coming together as a family, like as one unit. It really didn't happen at our house, it happened here. Mm -hmm. You just feel a million miles away. You want me to sit closer to you? Well, I was just relaxed. I was just, I was just lounging. I don't know if I like, like this guy. The, I just found him on the side of the room. I was lounging on the arm. See, you get to lounge on the arm, and you're like, yeah, come over to me, so we'll be lopsided in the chair. You got to scoot go. in, too, then. Well, our business is a family business, and it's that way for a reason. When we started in this, we always said we'd do it, but we'd do it together. And we included the kids in that. So it was really neat to see how even in renovating and when we run our business, just having the kids a part of it so that they can see how God uses us to help other people and how they can choose to communicate with others, even their own age, that can help and show love to their friends, whether it's sports teams, school, interactions, and even at church. What's hey, up, Jack? Hey, dude. You can't Sneak come in. attack. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. We had dedicated both of our boys and now our daughter um, at Fox River, and we were given those uh, kids' Bibles, which are awesome for them. We had read those to our kids every night the best that we could. And then this last year, especially when we started the Million Verse Challenge, like that really became important to me and to Jennifer that we did take the time to some point in that day read one Bible verse out of their little kid's Bible. That led us to 
many deeper conversations than I thought we would have from both of our children. So it was probably a couple months ago now that we were reading in um, our children's Bibles where a whole bunch of people came to know Jesus and then they decided that they want to be baptized. Colton was like, hold on, why are they getting baptized? And I said, well, because they want to show their church family, the people that they just accepted Jesus with, that they trust him as their savior. And he goes, well, why am I not baptized? And I said, well, because I'm waiting for that exact question. I need to know that you want to do this, not that daddy wants you to do it or mommy wants you to do it. This is something that you have to choose because mommy and daddy believe in believer's baptism. And he goes, well, I want to tell my church that I accepted Jesus. When can I be baptized? Can we do it this Sunday? And it was like, well, we have to ask and we have to make sure that everything, everything's ready to go. And then we spent the next week just talking and making sure that they absolutely understood, and they did. And uh, we decided, yeah, let's do the baptism. All we want to do is help every single person, no matter what generation you are, come closer to Jesus. I baptize you, my little brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. and raised in the likeness of his presence. My dad, who was a pastor and never takes a Sunday off, took a Sunday off to be in Wisconsin. So it was a very, very special day for our family. It's really neat to see God's faithfulness and his grace through the generations and how generation after generation after generation is now coming to know him. You get dunked underwater and uh, you sometimes cough <laughs> at the beginning, but at the end, you don't. How did that feel in front of the whole church? Like I was, like my body was all full of faith. That's a good way to describe it. You tickle, who tickled me? It was me. I thought it was mo mommy. Oh, had I got you. Hey, let's say thanks to Justin and Jennifer. Those words of Jennifer, you know, their desire, it's that we can have generations. We saw three generations there, and I think that's all of our prayer, too, that we would have generations that know what it really means to have relationship with God and all of that impact, the radical impact that that can have in our lives. As a church, we're here to assist, but family is what does so much in that. Now, let's do a... Real quick review here. Jesus said there's one thing. One thing that I just want you to keep in front of yourselves. If you're a wife, what would it be? Well, that was easy, wasn't it? <laughs> and they put it up in front of us. And you'll also see the word respect there because in, as Jesus sums it up at the end of chapter 5, he puts that in there just to kind of give that fuller perspective and because women can remember two things and men never could. All right? Husbands, we need to what? Yeah, love, all right? Love. Love like Jesus does. Parents need to what? Yep, they build up. That's exactly right. And children, we need to honor. Yeah, okay. Now, when you look at these, here's a realization. This is ideal. 
It's like, this is something we'll always be working at. It's something that we always need in our lives. There's times we go like, what if, I, what if I fall short? And what if I'm not there? Jesus said, I know, I understand. But this is the activator. Don't miss this. The activator is, but what am I doing with it now? If I happen to be a wife, what have I done recently to show that I'm putting you before myself? What am I doing now? If you're a husband, how are you showing love now? How are you finding out what it means to love in the way that Jesus just described that radical way? What are you doing now? Parents? How about for us? Anyone that's just, you know, a child here? This, and this kind of, you know, at first it lends a little bit, well, if you're married, but I mean, if you're single, it's so much that has this application, whether it's in all of our family, with our parents, our brothers and sisters, and so on. What am I doing now? Because if I'm not doing anything now, then it won't have an impact. When I begin to live it, as radical as it is, you tell somebody else about it, they go like, that's just a radical thing. It has radical impact. And isn't that what you want? These are the instructions, the guide's instructions. But I want to remind us of this. As important as they are, even greater value, it's the guide himself. Every one of those things that Jesus tells us to do, you will find impossible to do if you don't have him in your life. If you've never opened yourself up to Jesus, you don't know what it is to love like he loves because you haven't received it yet. You don't know what it's like Has Jesus showed us what real submission looked like. You don't know because you haven't opened yourself up to him that way. And that's God's great desire. Why? Because God is family focused in each and every one of these areas. And in that family focus, he focuses on your family, but he also focuses on this that I want you as a part of my family. He says, and I invite you into it. One of the greatest misnomers there are today is that everybody is a child of God. Truth is, everybody is made in the image of God. But those who become children of God are because they have received him. They believed in his, Jesus' name, and he, God the Father, gives to everyone who does the right to become children, or you could say here, family of God. Have you ever opened your life up to Jesus? I mean, come to this point of realization like, what he did on that cross and his resurrection, it was for me. I need that. Jesus, I need you. You just ask, would you give to me what you accomplished on the cross for not only my forgiveness, but that I can have this relationship, this real relationship with God that is life-changing. And if you haven't, well, that's certainly God's great desire for you today. He wants you as a part of his family as well. So much more that we have coming up in the series, but I think we've got what we need this week in front of us. So in this closing prayer, here's what I want to do. Think about your activation. 
whatever of those instructions apply to you, would you today commit yourself, Jesus, I'm going to follow your instruction. It's radical. I'm going to do that. If you're ready to trust him, it will make an eternal difference in your life. Should we pray together? We begin this prayer, Lord Jesus, with this commitment as a wife, as a husband, as a parent, as a child, as a part of a family. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to stop looking in the past and I'm just going to look at right now. And it may be radical, but I trust you. And that's why I'm going to go for it with your help. That's your prayer. Would you tell him? And if you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, receive him as your Savior today, praying this, Jesus, I need you. I need you for the forgiveness of my sins. I need you for relationship with God. And I want to be a follower of yours. If that's your prayer today, can I just ask you, would you lift your hand high saying, Guy, today for the very first time, I am trusting and receiving Jesus as my Savior. Just up and then down, yeah. Wave at me a little bit, maybe take a second. Okay, sure, yeah. And our campuses. Jesus, may your saving grace be realized as it's being poured in to each and every one of these that have opened themselves up to you. Thank you again for life and life eternal. We pray in your mighty name. And every agreement said, hey, for those that have just opened themselves up, become children of God according to what he has told us. Let's just rejoice with that and say thank you and God bless you guys. It is so, so good. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.